So it's April Fool's Day. Anybody get any uh, practical jokes played against them this morning? Any string and pancakes or Colgate and Oreo cookies? That's one of my favorites. Somebody said, well, that's just too cruel. You can't mess with Oreo cookies. Do you remember when you were little and it was April Fool's Day? You know, like the third grade? Hey, teacher, there's a dragon outside. April Fool! Right? I mean, there's those kind. And then there's the, you know, I, I looked up on YouTube practical jokes because I wanted to show you some, but the language is really bad on most of the practical jokes because they're really not that funny. Um, like, uh, let's see, well, the, the one that I really wanted to show you this morning was the fake lottery ticket practical joke. Have you ever seen those? They look like real lottery tickets and people get all excited and they let them run with it. And they're like, well, how do we, re how do we redeem it? You got to read the back. You got to read the back. And it says something about fairyland and other things. And then the person's not very happy. Right? I won $10,000. These one guys let this guy go for 15 minutes before they actually told him it was fake. So what is it about a practical joke that is so fun for the person that is, you know, trying to pull it off? Well, for that person, it's the gotcha, right? It's like, yes! Yes, that saran wrap I put over the toilet seat worked! That one's happened in our house before. Um, well, it didn't work, actually, but I won't go into the gory details of that. Um, it's, it's the gotcha, isn't it? Which doesn't feel very good for the person that's on the receiving end of that. There are a lot of people that say the resurrection of Jesus Christ is essentially a big gotcha, that it is an April Fool joke, that a bunch of people just sort of made this up and, and, and it somehow gained momentum and, it, and it's lasted for over 2,000 years. But I'm here to tell you this morning that, that the gotcha part of it is not true. Unlike the, hey, it's spring, right? April Fool. No, uh, the resurrection really happened, and we know that it really happened, uh, first of all, because history says that it really happened. Secular historians, Josephus and Tacitus, both record Jesus, things about Jesus' life and, and his crucifixion and that people saw him alive. There were, there were hundreds of eyewitnesses who saw him alive who would disagree that it's a gotcha, that it's a fake story. I want to say a story that CNN would carry, but I'm not going to say that. And me personally, I've been completely changed by this man, Jesus Christ, the resurrected Savior. I could testify over and over and over again throughout the, the, throughout the course of my own personal life what Jesus Christ has done for me. And the, and the question that we've been asking at North Hills and, and that we're asking this morning is, a question that Jesus asks, it's who do you say that I am? Who do you say that Jesus is? And when we hear that question, we have to give an answer to it. Me, my answer to that? Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Savior of the world, and the one who I've surrendered my life to. It's no April Fool. Jesus conquered the grave after he died and people saw him alive after. And that is why we sit here this morning and we sing songs to and about Jesus Christ and we say things like, 
You are worthy of our praise. You are the sacrificial lamb, your life given for mine. And this is a salvation that he offers uh, all the nations, the entire world, can have the hope that you can have in Jesus Christ. He is the one who gives us meaning and purpose and value and life that is truly life. There, there's a counterfeit life out there in our world today, and one that if we follow it will end in despair and loneliness and sadness, and we're going to talk about that. So I want you to answer this question yourself this morning. Who do you say Jesus is? Now, as we continue to, to think about that question, there's a woman that I want to look at today. A, a, a woman from the Bible that Jesus knew and met. In fact, her life was a total train wreck when Jesus met her. She had multiple demons uh, she was possessed by. And according to the Bible, though, she was the first person to see Jesus alive after he had been crucified. Which, which is crazy to me, on the one hand, that in that culture especially that the Savior of the universe resurrected the, the, the greatest announcement that ever could ever be proclaimed now is to a woman. And I think that was very purposeful on his part. You know, he came that same way, very humbly, very quietly. Shepherds knew that, uh, received the message that Jesus had come on that first Christmas morning. Who is this woman that I'm going to talk about? Her name is Mary, Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene. And I think this morning, as you get to know her story a little bit more, I think her story is going to sound a little bit like your story and a lot like my story. We're going to be able to relate to her and how she felt and, and, and the experiences that she had. You see, Mary never got over her encounters with Jesus Christ. For the, for the first moment, he rescued her from those seven demons who lived inside her and tormented her to those six days or those six hours that, that brought near and the conclusion of Jesus' death on the cross to the moment on that first Easter morning when she went to the tomb. It was no April Fool to Mary. Mary's life was changed forever by Jesus. You see, once a person encounters Jesus Christ and surrenders their life to him, that person's life is never the same again. The Bible says this in Mark chapter 16, 9, as we continue to think about Mary. When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. I can't, I've never been possessed by a demon. I can't even imagine what it was like to be possessed by seven. The first time that Mary Magdalene is, is mentioned in Luke's gospel, he records the same identifiable encounter uh, when she was transformed, and this is... This is what Luke says in chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. Think about that. Women, again, in that culture, Jesus valued them. He honored them. He shows us how we are to love women and men to each other. And it's amazing to me, and I've honestly never thought about this before, 
These women were financing and supporting the ministry of Jesus and the 12 disciples with their own means. Other things that Mary Magdalene probably experienced were things like depression, anxiety, unhappiness, loneliness, self-loathing, shame, fear, and a host of other feelings and miseries that she was experiencing. And I think many of us, as we look at that list up there, many of us experience those same things, maybe today, maybe yesterday. Maybe you're anxious about something that's coming up. And in all probability, they say, that Mary, being uh, uh, suffering with demonic possession, he even suffered worse torments, such as blindness and deafness, insanity, or, or any of the other disorders commonly associated with victims of demonic possession described in the New Testament. She was a mess. Her life was a wreck. And I can't help but think she at times thought, I'm just stuck here. No hope of any sort of being saved. But that all changed the day she encountered Jesus Christ because he set her free from her daily hell and her misery. Mary Magdalene was never the same again, and she began to follow Jesus. She, she followed him. She undoubtedly heard him teach. She undoubtedly saw him love people in amazing and odd and, and uh, gracious ways. She, in fact, she found herself standing beside him as he expressed his ultimate sacrificial love at the cross. She was there when he died. She was there when they took him down off of the cross. She was there to see them place him in the tomb and roll the stone in front of the opening. She stayed near because she was so changed. <laughs> Jesus was the one who had rescued her from those demons and who was saving all of humanity from sin and death and Satan and hell through his substitutionary death on the cross. Mary waited with Jesus. She watched him. She cried near Calvary. Can you imagine... Be, can you imagine being there, seeing the one who you had heard was going to be the Savior of the world dying on a cross? You see him dead, and you wonder, what next? What, what are we to do now? We thought Jesus was the hope of the world. Now, when he was taken off the cross, he was taken uh, off the cross by Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea, and Nicodemus, and they kind of had to do it in a, in a hurried fashion as the, the sun was setting and the Sabbath was about to start, and they couldn't be doing this on the Sabbath, but they did get him, they laid his body, and they got him buried. And Mary would be back at this same tomb, tomb with the devotion that she had three days later. Why? Because she wanted to pay her respects and anoint the dead body of Jesus in a final act of devotion. Here's how that happened. It's found in Matthew chapter 28, 1 through 10. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples 
He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. And suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Man, what a weekend Mary had. Could just try to imagine that. I mean, the trauma of seeing someone crucified, live, to be there on the cross, to watch him die, to see him buried. The next day, Saturday, all day long, probably flashbacks of, of moments when you talked to him and, and, and moments when, when he gave you a hug or, or touched you. And now he's dead, and the emptiness that she felt in her heart, wondering what was going to happen next. And then, of course, going to the tomb. You know, in some ways, thanks to Mary, the disciples knew where the tomb was because she was there. She saw Jesus laid in it. She knew the way. See, men, we should always count on the women to give us directions to where we're going. But when she got there, fully expecting to put spices and oil on Jesus' dead body, he was alive. She got the news for the first time that Sunday morning. The tomb was empty. That was no April Fool. And she was told that he is risen. He is risen. And before Mary met Jesus, she was trapped. Not anymore. I wonder, have you ever felt trapped by circumstances? Maybe that's where you are. Maybe that's why you're here this morning. You, you heard there was going to be a church service, not at a church, and you thought, maybe that's a place I'd feel comfortable going in the doors. And, and that's why you're here this morning. You heard that, that maybe there would be some sort of hope that you could hear that might speak to a circumstance or a struggle that you have in your life. And I would like to say that, yes, absolutely, Jesus speaks to that. Maybe you've lost your marriage partner and, and children to the agony of divorce. Some of you in this room know the horror of losing a child or a parent to a disease or in a tragic accident. For some of you, this is the first Easter that you've spent alone. And it's crushing. You wondered if you could even go without your husband or your wife. Maybe you just lost your job and, or, or you've gone through a business failure. I, I know people in this room right here today who have lost their health and they're wondering what's next. You feel like your life is out of control and there just isn't any hope. I have been there many times. You feel trapped. You feel like life is just one big April Fool joke. I mean, something good happens in your life, and you just sort of sit back, and you, you're like waiting for the other shoe to drop because you feel like nothing good could ever happen to me. You see, we all sin, and we're all broken people. Bound and deceived by Satan in the garden, and we go our own way, and we think we can do it. We are broken by pain, broken by our own selfish desires, 
broken by our following after deceitful lies, lies that promise us great things but never deliver. Sometimes people make a decision and you just think to yourself, how on earth could they think that that was okay or, or that they could get away with something like that or didn't they see how that would destroy the rest of their life? I think it's sometimes because we just think there's no other way to turn, no other, no other place to go. And, but humanity is influenced by a great evil force. We see it around us every day, and it's an evil force that's as real as the person that's sitting next to you. An evil one who the Bible says seeks to kill and destroy us. In 1 Peter chapter 5, 8, it says this, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And as we look around, it seems that he's doing a pretty good job of it, doesn't he? What do we see? We see depression and anxiety unhappiness, loneliness, self-loathing, shame, fear, broken marriages, abused children, domestic violence, addictions, poverty, moral decay, mass shootings. These are all a reality of the evil world that we live in. Humanity chained and tormented just as helpless to save ourselves as Mary Magdalene was with those demons. Nothing she could do about that. So what are we to make of all this? Do we just roll over and take it? Do we just resign ourselves to the fact that that's the way life is? That our relationships are going to be mediocre at best? That brokenness and failure are inevitable? That no matter who we are or what we believe, that they'll eventually catch up to us? Like, like Pastor Smith, for instance, he was going around, he was visiting people, he was riding his bike through town, and he came across this young man that was trying to sell a lawnmower, and the pastor asked him, well, how much do you want for this lawnmower? And the little boy said, well, I'm just trying to get enough to buy a bicycle. And the pastor said, well, what, what would you think if I traded you my bike for the lawnmower? And the boy was like, yeah, that would be great. So they swapped it, and uh, the pastor proceeds to, you know, start cranking on the lawnmower to, to see if he could get it running, and it, it, it wouldn't run. He couldn't get it started. So he asked the boy, he's like, I can't get this lawnmower to start. The little boy said, my dad says you have to cuss at it to get it to start. And the pastor said, well, I'm a minister. I can't cuss. I, I've been saved for so long, I don't know how to cuss. The little boy looked at him, and he kind of winked at him, and he said, sir, if you pull on that string wrong, long enough, it'll come back to you. <laughs> you know, are we just supposed to throw up our arms and say, you know what, well, I guess that's just the way life is. Sucks to be me. No. No, we are not to be forever ruled by bad influences. Forever controlled by evil with no hope of freedom. There is something else. There is a greater joy that can be experienced. Many of you sitting here this morning, you experience it. You know what I'm talking about. But, but if there is a greater joy, how do we know that it's possible? How can we be sure that it's really true and available and not some just big cosmic joke? Well, it revolves around the answer to who was Jesus. Was he who he said he was or was he not? See, I believe we can all walk out of the auditorium this morning and know that salvation is no April Fool's joke. 
that it's real, and that we can answer Jesus' question, who do you say I am, confidently, and know that it gives us hope for life. Now, first of all, we, we need to recognize that we can't free ourselves. Only Jesus can. You know, we can't, we can't be good enough. We can't do enough right things. We can't balance the scales out. It's just impossible. Only Jesus can do that. You see, he gave up his place in heaven. He came to live among us, and he did that perfectly. He did that perfectly. He, he was subject to the same things that we are. The temptations, the, the addictions, the cry to save ourselves. But unlike us, he was able to stand up against those things. And like Mary, we no longer have to suffer the damnation of those things because he did those things for us in our stead. And when we surrender our life to him, you see, his blood covers over us and the Holy Father sees us through his blood. We just need to acknowledge that Jesus is the Messiah and surrender ourselves to him. That's what Mary did. Take a look at this Bible passage with me, Romans chapter 6, verses 8 and 9. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Okay, I'll just read it. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. You see, death no longer has mastery over Jesus. Death cannot take Jesus down. And likewise, when we surrender our lives to him, we also live with him. That's the life that Mary received. That's why she was able to be there with Jesus even in the end, because her life had been changed by him. Now, I want to remind us all that Jesus, as I said earlier, was subject to the historical method like any other person. You know, he walked, he lived, he breathed, he ate, he grew up. The same as any one of us. He was raised in Jerusalem. He was a public person, which meant that people saw him, and they were able to testify the truth of who he was and who he said he was. Those same people saw Jesus crucified or heard the news about it those same people saw him alive in jerusalem the week after he was dead and all of the gospels all of the new testament books that we have writ written to us were written in that first century when those first eyewitnesses who saw jesus alive could say no no that's not true but they didn't because it was true You see, we could say that in our world, too. There are things in history. They're trying to rewrite our history books right now. They're trying to get rid of things, right? And they might succeed. Why? Because there isn't anybody alive today that was alive when that was written to say, no, no, that's not true. But when, when the Gospels were written, it was all true. All those, more than 500 people, it's recorded, saw him alive after his resurrection, and Mary was the first. A once broken, demon-possessed woman saw the living Messiah first. There was nothing big about Mary. 
She wasn't powerful. And you know what? That speaks a lot to me. Because you know what that says to me? As an average, normal, quirky guy? That Jesus died for me too. And that if I had been alive then, maybe it would have been me that he would have appeared to first. But it was Mary. And eventually, of course, news like this spreads. The whole city of Jerusalem knew about it, and eventually the whole Roman Empire. Now, Jesus' authority was questioned. His motives were questioned. He was sold out. His physical body was tempted. He was spit upon. He was struck. He was slapped. He was disowned by one of his closest friends. He was betrayed, deserted, denied, mocked, stripped naked, insulted, beaten, lied about, falsely accused, convicted, condemned, crucified, humiliated. He was bruised, rejected, and ultimately left naked on a stake to die. Some like to say that Jesus really didn't die, that he wasn't completely dead. In fact, I read about a person who wrote the following in a local newspaper. They said this, Dear Eutychus, our preacher said on Easter that Jesus just swooned on the cross, that he pretended, and that his disciples nursed him back to health. What do you think, sincerely bewildered? The columnist replied, Dear bewildered, Beat your preacher with a cat of nine tails with 39 heavy strokes, nail him to a cross, hang him in the sun for six hours, run a spear through his heart, embalm him, put him in an airless tomb for 36 hours, and see what happens. Sincerely, Eutychus. Yeah, he was dead. It all happened to Jesus. There was no April Fool's there. Now, as I read through that list of things that Jesus endured, did any of those words resonate with you? Maybe you experienced some of those just this week. Betrayed by a friend. Humiliated. Spit upon, maybe even. I mean, we can relate to many of those things happening to us. Mocked. Falsely accused, deserted, denied. And Jesus took all that Satan and the world could throw at him, and he conquered it. Death couldn't even keep Jesus down. And the Bible says this in John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. So what does all of this that I just read mean for us sitting here at EWC in Torrington, Wyoming, this Easter 2018? Well, I said before, it's no joke and it's true. Jesus loves each and every one of us just as he loved Mary Magdalene. And when we put our faith and trust in the one who conquered death, when we respond to his call on our life and I believe that that God puts us in in the right place at the right time and, and I don't believe that any of us are in this room by chance. You may think that you just made a decision by chance, but God had something that he wanted to speak to you this morning. I don't know what that is. But I trust that he's saying it. And maybe he's saying, just surrender to me. You know, I mean, Jesus, all of those things that Jesus experienced, what did he say on the cross? Just, I don't know, minutes or an hour before he died. Father, what? Forgive them. 
forgive them. He is the most forgiving, gracious, loving Savior. He's the only. He's forgiving, and he invites us to follow him. Jesus Christ, the one who took all that the devil could throw at him. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe the, uh, Satan is not all-knowing. Satan maybe thought he won for three days. Jesus' disciples did. They thought Jesus was dead. Mary went to the tomb thinking he was dead. In fact, when Mary went back and tells the disciples that he's alive, they don't believe her. But Jesus conquered sin and death. And he's still alive today. And we're freed in our lives and changed forever just as Mary was. For the Bible says that in, uh, in 1 John 5.18, John says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. See, if you believe in Jesus Christ as Savior and you're, you've surrendered your life to him, you can say, I know I have eternal life. Now, look at this passage, and I think this is a great time of year to look at this passage. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, 4 verses 54 through 57. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your sting? Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He's alive. He is risen, and he was crucified on your behalf. Jesus has done something that we can bank on. He has conquered death. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. I hope you believe that. I hope you believe that. And he gives us victory over death. It's in Jesus Christ that death and sin and the power of sin is swallowed up and the followers of Jesus in the New Testament took up a little phrase from the book of Hosea. In fact, I believe... Uh, on your, your, uh, your tear-off sheet, I have that as the memory verse. I believe it's Hosea 13, 14. I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. Where, O oh death, are your plagues? Where, O oh grave, is your destruction? Now, a Sunday school teacher asked her class one day, if, if I sold my house and my car and I gave all the money to the church, would I get to heaven? And all the kids are like, no, no, you wouldn't get to heaven. That's not how you get to heaven. And she says, if I cleaned the church every day and I mowed the yard of the church every day, would I get to heaven? And the kids are like, no, 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 you wouldn't get to heaven. You can't get to heaven that way. And she says, well, then how do I get to heaven? And in the back, this little boy, and I could see, I could see myself saying something like this, this little boy says, you got to be dead. <laughs> Ephesians 1, 19 and 20 says this, I pray that you will begin to understand the incredible greatness of his power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. You remember the list? 
It says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available for the day-to-day challenges that we face. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available today to human beings who will humbly surrender their life to him. You know, I, I've talked to people who have, who have had a tragic, tragic loss of a family member in their life, and, and, and I've walked with families through the, through the funeral service, the memorial service, the burial, and I've talked to others at, after that fact, and, and I don't know how anybody without Christ could go through something like that. I, I can't imagine how hopeless and sad and just, I just can't imagine it. Why? Because he's the one that walks with me through these things. So at the end of the day, at, at the end of that first Easter day, Jesus looked death straight in the face and he said, you know what? I'm still standing. I have overcome. And my prayer is that when you answer the question of who do you say Jesus is, that you say he is my Lord. He is the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And then you can look sin and death square in the eyes and say, you know what, I don't care what you throw at me. At the end of all of this, honestly, live or die, I'll still be standing. I will still be standing. I wish I'd given Roy this picture. Uh, my stepmom posted a picture of my, my dad on Facebook yesterday, and he's, his motorhome's are there in Arizona for this snow. And, and he's leaning down in front of this BMX bike. And the caption says, your dad just won this at, a, at some, some indoor show of some kind. And then she says, he rode it out of the place. And I, I, for some odd reason, we were talking about caring for elderly parents with my children this morning. That's a long story, too. I won't bother you with it. But I said, Grandpa is 88 years old. He's going to be 89 in October. And one of my kids said, no, he's not. (laughs) Yes, he is. He was born in 1929. And if I do my math right, that says he's 88, right? He's writing a Bible. This week, he'll be driving his motorhome back to Wyoming. You see, he too has been walking with Christ his life, his entire life. And he's faced many things. The death of a spouse, the the death of family members, the effects of sin. But just like Mary Magdalene, who was with Jesus to the very end, and the new beginning. He's been faithful. And you know what? When I get that phone call that says your dad rode his bike in off a cliff or something, and I don't know. He fell off a roof. He fell off scaffolding. Yeah, he still does that too. You know what? There will be sadness and loss in my heart, but incredible hope and life because I know that he's answered that question, who do you say I am, the same way that I've described it to you this morning. So two challenges this morning, two groups of people that I want to challenge. First of all, if you're sitting here this morning and you just found out that 
Jesus did what it takes for you to be saved. Maybe you didn't, you've never heard that before. That Jesus has conquered sin and death. He kicked the door of heaven open and you can hear him calling your name. Would you respond to him with, I believe? Would you surrender your life to him? And begin checking out what that means going forward? It's the best thing that you could ever do. Now, it's, there's no magical prayer. There's no incantation that I could give you. It's, it's a surrendering of your heart, of your life. Tell Jesus that you can't do it anymore and that you don't want to try, that, that you need him to forgive you of all the things that seem to possess you like Mary was. Surrender your whole life for, for the rest of your life. And he says, you will be saved. Romans is very clear about that. He'll change you from the inside out. He will free you. And if that's you, I would just ask that you would let us know. See, on your worship folders, and maybe some of you already did, and you put them in the, uh, the, the offering baskets when they came by, but if you still have this, Take out your worship folder. If you still have this, tear that off right now. I want to hear tearing. Tear that off right now. There's a couple things on there that I want you to look at. One says, I will memorize Hosea 13, 14. That'd be a great verse to memorize and put to memory today on Easter you've never memorized that one before the second one says this i'm interested in talking further about following jesus maybe you're like yeah i still got some questions this history stuff that you're talking about what is it i'd like to see that i'd like to know more check that and and put your name and phone number and and i'll give you a call and we can have coffee and we can talk about that i mean i've been told that i'm pretty easy to talk to and i really like coffee there's another one there that says, I believed for the first time today. Maybe it's been a slow process and God's been working on you and working on you and working on you and finally today is the day that you said, yes. Yes, I believe. I surrender. I give up. Mark that. Maybe, maybe you're somebody that, maybe you just moved here and, this is, and you have questions about the church. You could mark that one too. And then I want to encourage you, the, the ushers will be standing at the back doors as you exit. Put, just fold it over and put it in one of those blue baskets as you leave the auditorium this morning. Maybe you're in a second group. Maybe, maybe you've been sitting here this morning and you've been taking for granted what Jesus did for you. The world has gotten in the way and you forgot how much you've been forgiven. And because of that, maybe there's some people in your life who have been suffering too. I just ask that right now you would, you would just confess those things to Jesus right now. Ask him to forgive you for your, your complacency and your busyness. And just surrender that to him this morning and say, you know what, Jesus, it's going to be a process, but I want you to start today working on these things on me. Renew your commitment to him. Ask him for strength. Ask him that his love would flow through you as those that need you to forgive them are forgiven. And as you face the trouble this life throws at us, you know, you might have something that you would like us to pray for, for you about. 
Um, put that in the comments and the, the prayer request section down there. Uh, and then here's the thing. We, either group, and maybe you're a regular attender and, you know, you think we know everything we need to know about you. This is probably never true, but uh, if you would just fold that up and place it in the basket as you leave so that there's lots of people placing uh, connect cards in the basket as we leave, I think that would be great. If you would do that, please. Now, my prayer this week has been that, that Jesus would focus in, that he would pinpoint the shotgun blast that I was going to give this morning, and I trust that he has done that. As, as I close the message part, I want us to watch this video. It's a, it's, it, it will just kind of, I think, tie up our feelings and, and, and help us maybe catch even a little bit more glimpse of what that might have looked like for Ma Mary Magdalene that first Easter morning, and then we'll close with a final song. It was quiet when we approached the tomb. Days before, there was noise wherever we went. Crowds cheering, sometimes yelling. But now, in front of his tomb, just silence. I had gathered all my spices and oils intending to anoint the body. But when I got there, he was gone. Jesus changed my life. Ever since the day that I met him in Galilee, he rescued me. And I followed him ever since, all the way to his death. But there was the tomb, and it was empty. My heart broke into a thousand pieces. I turned, and there was a gardener, and I asked him if he knew where they had taken Jesus' body. But I recognized it was Jesus. It was my Lord. He taught us that his sheep would recognize his voice, and I knew him. I knew him the minute he said my name. I dropped to my knees. What else could I do but cling to him? I never wanted to let him out of my sight. But no, he had different plans for me. He wanted me to let the others know about the good news. I ran as fast as my legs would carry me, shouting like an excited child. He did it! He did it! He, he really did it! Yes. To think that I had come to an anoint a dead man. And I left with proof that he is the overcomer of everything. I, all of us, can never beat fear, sorrow, sin, definitely not death. 
step. He beat death. Who do I say that he is? I know who he is. Oh, I know who he is. He said that he would rise. He most certainly is risen. He is the savior. He is, he is the one true God. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha.